This podcast is a production of WCWP, LIU Post Public Radio. Check out our lineup of original programs, listen live, or support by visiting WCWP.org. This is Review and Preview on WCWPSports.org. Good evening and welcome to Review and Preview here on WCWPSports.org. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Mark Sanger here in the studio tonight. Tommy Mack is not here at the moment. He may or may not join us later. We apologize about the one-hour delayed start. The LIU Post radio broadcast team was actually in here finishing up a baseball game that ended a little late. So we are starting one minute late tonight. You'll have us from 6 to 8 p.m. And a quick reminder, we will have a special guest calling in in just a few moments tonight. You can call in at our call in number 516-299-2030. All right, Mark, blockbuster show in store tonight. We're going to start with opening day around here in the Major League Baseball. But actually, before we get to that, breaking news, sad news for the New York Mets organization. Rusty Staub has passed away at the age of 73 years old. Yeah, it's very sad news. Uh, he's one of my dad's favorite players. He was telling me a lot about him today. Um, I was watching the broadcast today. They had Keith Hernandez and Ron Darling talking about it. They were both very distraught about the news. It's a sad day for sure. Yeah, and if you don't know, folks, Rusty Staub accomplished a 23-year Major League Baseball career. He actually starred for the Mets in the 1973 World Series, and he had at least 500 hits for four teams. The Astros, the Montreal Expos, Detroit Tigers, and the New York Mets. Incredible career. And they were talking about the trade. Howie Rose was on a 7-10 a.m. today during the game how um, the Mets traded away three players to get Rusty Staub back in the 80s. So definitely a 70s, definitely an interesting trade back in the day because they really weren't that common. But now Rusty Staub, 73 years old. You're right, Keith Hernandez. I actually watched a video of him. He was not very uh, emotionally there today. Yeah, he was tearing up a little bit. It was hard for Keith to talk about it. Um, He had an interesting story during the broadcast where he said he believed that Rusty could have went to the American League and been a DH and gotten well over 3,000 hits, but he opted to stay in New York and be a pinch hitter or reserve player toward the end of his career because he loved New York. He loved the atmosphere, and he said it probably cost him 3,000 hits, but he didn't have a regret about it. Definitely a very loyal guy. And moving on from Rusty, transitioning over to the New York Mets, who defeat the St. Louis Cardinals on opening day, 9-4. to Noah Syndergaard, Thor, back after starting just four games last year, comes into today, has 10 strikeouts, Mark, as his foe on the other side for the Cardinals was Carlos Martinez. Now, let's get to Thor. You know, rough start, gave up the two-run homer after the first inning, retiring them 1-2-3, but the damage didn't last long. The Mets were able to come back quickly in this game. Yeah, another thing. I uh, I think Noah pitched better than his line showed. He, he struck out 10, and the two-run home run that Yadier Molina hit was a really nice pitch on his hands. Yadier just yeah. got his hands quick through, and he took it off the foul pole. But he had a lot of control in this game. He struck out 10. He obviously... They kept jumping back and forth with the with uh, the lead for a little bit until the yeah. Mets finally ran away with it. But I thought Noah pitched really well today. Molina hit the two-run homer in the first, and then he also 
Syndergaard gave up a second home run a little later in the game. Mm-hmm. But you're right, six innings of work, ten strikeouts. I'd say a very good outing for him today. Definitely. And great to see if you're a Mets fan, you know. Definitely a lot of fun. And Syndergaard actually hit in the eight hole today. Um, something of note that Coach Callaway and the Mets will do sometime, sometimes this season. They're not going to do it every day, but I think having Syndergaard in the eight hole may uh, cause a little distraught towards opposing pitchers and teams. Yeah, Mickey made a little splash today in his first game, making his first lineup where he put Noah eight and Ahmad Rosario nine to try to go for the double leadoff. It's interesting. I don't usually like that in the hitter eight, but Noah's a very good hitting pitcher. So we'll see. Yep. Maybe the days Noah pitches, he does that. We'll have to wait and see for that. Now, Mark, I have a fun fact for you here. Okay. Uh, Noah Syndergaard was the second Met in New York Mets history to have at least 10 strikeouts on opening day. Can you name that other pitcher who did? Doc Gooden. Actually, no. Ooh. You want to have one more guess at it? It was 10 strikeouts on opening day? That's the... 10 or more. 10 or more? Yeah. At least 10 strikeouts. Tom Seaver. Pedro Martinez. Pedro Martinez. He had 12 strikeouts back in 2005. He also, he also pitched six innings. So definitely a little fun fact for you there, That's folks. interesting. <laughs> and, you know, it really impressed me today that with the way the Mets played. You know, Brandon Nimmo was your leadoff guy, not the ideal leadoff hitter. But he went two for three. He scored two runs and he drew a walk. And he had two hits. So he got on base three times today. Four times was hit by a pitch. Also, that's right. He opened the season getting hit by a pitch. I completely yeah. forgot about that. That was the first pitch. Of the, uh, pretty sure that was one of the first pitches of the game. Martinez threw. Yeah, he was uh, very sporadic, Carlos Martinez. Yeah, his location really wasn't good. He was very iffy today. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I was really impressed with Brandon Nemo. Yeah. He reached base four times, like we said. He had two hits. He he runs well. I think he could be a really, really nice piece for this team. Yeah. Going down the Mets lineup, Yoannis Cespedes hitting the two-hole. Um, he went two for five. What really impressed me was I'm pretty sure the Mets were down two to one. There was two outs. Mm-hmm. Bases loaded. Yep. Cespedes has, reaches for it on an 0-2 pitch low in the strike zone. or lower. I'm pretty sure that pitch would have been a ball. It was a close pitch, and he just went down and got it. Borderline strike, and then Cespedes lifts it into left field and two runs score. Two runs single, yeah. That's what you like to see. Yoannis Cespedes had three RBIs today, really set the tone, gave the Mets the the, the lead, yeah. and then the game was tied at three. But then the Mets would regain the lead, yeah, sure. uh, a five-run fifth inning, and then did not look back. Yeah, definitely. I really thought Yoannis was impressive today. It's really great to see because he's this team's best hitter. And for this team to make the playoffs and to – like be competitive and be serious this season. They need Yoannis to be healthy and to produce, and today, today was a really good sign. Uh, moving down the Mets lineup now, in the three-hole was Jay Bruce, and Bruce had a hit in this game, a pair of walks. Good to see him. Yeah. All the guys got hits. Everyone hit really well. Jay Todd Bruce, Frazier got his first Todd hit Frazier as a Todd Frazier got his first hit. Adrian looked great as a Met. He had two hits. He walked twice. In fact, the cleanup hitter, Estrubel Cabrera, the only Met player without a hit today. Oh, wow. Yeah. So... And what really impressed me, Mark, the six seven guys, Adrian Gonzalez and Kevin Plo- Plo- Kevin Ploiecki, excuse me, who started over Travis Darno today. But Adrian Gonzalez in spring training, he did not look good. He looked very poor. He looked like maybe he's done. Maybe he might not be this team's first baseman. But now today he showed up and he looked really good. He reached base in four or five plate appearances. Yeah, he had two walks. He, he nice, was two for three. Had an RBI. Had nice, two nice hits. Double down the line there. Yeah. 
He had that nice double in the gap. If you if you remember, uh, you were actually supposed to go down for Mets spring training. I was, yes. But uh, the weather kind of kept you back there. Yeah. But he hits a nice double in the right center field gap that scored a pair. I mean, he was just incredible today. Um, Kevin Ploiecki also reached base four times this game, had two walks. Carlos Martinez did not look good. He was just no. missing left and right. He was all over the place here. He's not one of the best young arms in the game, but today his control was just not there. I believe he walked six. He left about like four or five hits. Yeah. There was just base runners on at all six times. Walks. That, six that's walks. That's never good. Especially if you're an opening day guy. Like, yeah. that, can't, that can't happen. Yeah. Um, and you're, talk, you're talking about production. Uh, Michael Conforto projected now to return April 5th. So, but with the way Nimmo played today, that's a really good sign moving forward. And, folks, we actually have a caller here, our first caller of the night on Review and Preview. Please state your name and where you are from. Hey, guys, it's uh, Johnny from Myrtle Beach. How you doing? Hey, Johnny. How's it going? Uh, it's going great. I'm actually, I don't know if you guys, you guys can hear me well? Yeah, I can hear you pretty good, Johnny. All right, cool. Yeah, I'm just actually driving to a friend's house, so I've just been, uh, home for the last about six hours on my couch watching baseball. It's a yeah. great feeling. I feel like a little kid again. Yeah. Uh, so what did you think of today's outing for the New York Mets? I I saw a lot of good things today out there on the field. I think it's a day that we, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a New Yorker. I like following both teams real close, but I think, but for the Mets, I think this was a day they desperately needed to have. I mean, you know, a lot of talk about, you know, the concern about their health or anything, and Let's put it this way. I think Mickey Calloway had a very good first day considering he put, you know, Thor in the eighth spot and Cabrera in the cleanup position. And I, I think it was a very good day. I mean, obviously it was a very emotional one with the passing of Ross, Rusty Stop, But, you know, opening day always um, brings out, you know, positivity for the Mets. And today was a very good example of that. You said you saw a lot of good things. Yeah. And... What really impressed me, too, Ahmed Rosario hitting out of the nine hole had a pair of RBIs, too. He had some hits. Uh, he had that one hit up the middle between the second baseman and the shortstop. Mark, he looked really good. That was a big two-out hit for Ahmed Rosario. If he can come around and really emerge as this team shortstop and maybe one of their big guys, this could be a huge sign and a huge jolt for this Mets offense. Now, Johnny, one question for you. Definitely one of the signs of concern this year. Um, always a wild card for the Mets is their bullpen. Now, in on paper, they're projected to have a top 10, top 12 bullpen this year. I saw great flashes today. Robert Zellman came in. He struck out the side. What did you think of his performance and the rest of the bullpen? Uh, bullpen's going to be iffy going um, going forward. That's why when I heard the reports last night about them possibly going out to Greg Holland, I really liked that, but obviously that mm-hmm. didn't work out. Uh, but, you know, guys like Zellman and Lugo are going to, if they if Lugo ever goes to the bullpen, are going to be important because one thing about Callaway, I wonder if he's going to be one of these guys, like he said in the beginning of the year, uh, that he may not go through guys three times through. Uh, you know, bullpen is a bit concerning when you obviously saw some good things today, and it's going to be very, very important for this team going forward. But a couple of things that I did like today, I don't know if you guys brought this up, a lot of uh, two-out hits for them mm-hmm. today, and, you know, they manufactured all these runs without the benefit of a home run. Uh, I like, you know, the station the station game. I mean, you saw a lot of really good things. I mean, it's only one game, but, hey, listen, you know, it, it was definitely something to enjoy, especially considering the uh, how the winter sports have been, that's for sure. Definitely uh, brought out a lot of uh, excitement. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Over the last couple of years, they've really been like all or nothing in the sense that like they either hit a home run or they don't really score. And today, like you said, it's been, it was a lot of like station to station, a little small ball in there. I like that a lot. Yeah, and Johnny. I yeah, Johnny, yeah, I remember the moment exactly you're talking about in the game, or one of the moments, I should say. Runners on first and second, one out. Syndergaard drops down the bunt. Now there's two outs. Run, runners on second and third, and then the five-run rally begins. And one of our co-hosts of the show, Greg Favernick, was actually at opening day today. So, uh, But, Johnny, uh, another question here for you. For the Cardinals on their side, Jose Martinez, he looked really good today he was three for four had a home run uh how do you think this cardinals lineup stacks up moving forward in the series against the mets and their pitching uh and also he had a big error at first base today and he's not a natural for i don't believe he's a natural first baseman and i remember them talking about in the broadcast that they had guys playing all different positions and had something to watch but you know one thing about the cardinals they always seem to find a way i mean it doesn't matter who's who they have you know, I, I always remember, and I hate to say it as a Mets fan, but 2006, with their uh, when they won the World Series, they were an 83-win team, and they had a bunch of you know scrappy guys, and they found a way, you know, to to win the series, to win the World Series. Yeah. So, the one thing about the Cardinals, you can never count them out, and that's why I think the Mike Matheny, uh, the uh, I'm sorry, the Greg Holland signing for them is very, very good going forward, especially in that division when the Cubs are are a dominant team. Uh, so, I think the Cardinals will get a game in the series and they will scrap and claw their way like the St. Louis Cardinal way is into competing for a wild card spot this year just like I think the Mets are going to compete for a wild card spot this year key for them of course is health and the, that bullpen is going to be very very important especially if Mickey Calloway is going to be you know the kind of manager that he, that he was talking about pulling guys third time through the lineup. Now, Johnny, I know we're still on the Mets, but any thoughts on the Yankees before we let you go here? I tell you, you know, I say this as a New York baseball fan. A lot of people think they're going to win 100 games this year and stuff like that. And look, the Giancarlo Stanton home run first uh, uh, plate appearance as a Yankee, and he hit the home run. is unbelievable. And I don't know if you heard John Sterling's call, but you'll have to listen to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the one thing... I got to tell you, the one thing for the Yanks, the Greg Bird injury to me is a big, big deal because one of the things the Yankees really did not have was a was a backup option at first base, especially for his health. And not to be all negative, but just to be reality with Stanton, a lot of people think he's going to come in here and do great things. My biggest concern with Stanton is his health. You know, last year he played a hundred, I believe he played 159 games, but every year before that he's he is a lot to be on the disabled list. So. You know, if he's if he's out there, it's great. But they got a lot of right-handed hitting power, which is going to be very, very good for them going against lefties. But at the same time, you know, Yankee Stadium is a uh, hitters-friendly ballpark. Hitters-friendly park <laughs> yeah. for left-handed power hitters. So that's why I think the bird injury is is a big deal for them going forward. Do I think they're going to win the division? Yes. Do I think they're going to win 100 games? Like a lot of people are saying, no. I think they're over under this year is like 94 and a half. And I would take the under because I'm still concerned, you know, about their health, even though they're young. You know, the bird injury is a big deal. I think Stanton is probably – I wouldn't be surprised if he hits the DL. The yeah. judge is going to be fantastic, but I don't expect another 50 home run season from him. Right. And the starting rotation to me is a bit of a concern. You know, you know, CC is older. Tanaka, you know, is one pitch away from, from blowing out his arm. Uh 
Severino, I think, is going to be good, but, you know, can he duplicate last year? I, I think what you'll see from the Yanks going forward here is they will, midway through the season, pick up a big starting pitcher to help them out. And I think they'll win the division with a 92-win season, but I don't think they're going to win like 100 games like everybody thinks they're going to do. But they're going to be very, very exciting to watch this year, and you're seeing that today. Yeah, no, Johnny, I definitely agree with you. Uh, you know, Stanton, the two-run homer, his first at bat as a Yankee, and then Brett Gardner actually hit a solo shot to put the Yankees up 5 nothing against Toronto in the top of the seventh inning. Johnny, thank you, all, as always, for calling in, and hope you're having a good time down there in South Carolina. Hey, listen, it's, it's beautiful down here. It's finally got into the 70s. I mean, it's, uh, for the first time today, uh, I was able to take off the jacket. And one of the great things about my job that I have right now is that I was able to get out of work. At, I was done with work at a little after 12. I got home a couple of minutes just before I saw Ian Happ's uh, first pitch of the season for a home run. How, how, how crazy was that? That was a lot of fun. I was watching that when I was eating lunch today, and I got, I got so excited. First pitch of uh, the season, yep. Yeah, and for the Marlins, who are probably going to be the worst team in baseball this year, I mean, that was quite ironic that first pitch of the <laughs> season, they give up a home run and they're losing. And then a little after, they had Derek Jeter in the booth talking about it, so just uh, throw some salt in the wound there. I feel bad for Jeter, I have to admit. I, I think he's put into a very, very tough spot, and, you know, maybe the Marlins are going to try and do what, like, what the Astros have done and what other teams, like the Royals, have done in yeah. trying to get a lot of homegrown talent and, build, and then ha- add on a couple of veterans. Yeah, but that's still going to be a process. Yeah, Johnny. And hey, yeah. listen, you know what? I will say this also real quick before I go. Sure. It is great to talk to you guys about baseball. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's nice down here. It finally got nice. I mean, I, I mean, I feel like I'm seven years old. Agreed. It, it is. It should be a national holiday. It's just weird that it's a Thursday. Yeah. And the season started, but no complaints. And Johnny, one final I thing. I can complain about things, but not that. <laughs> Johnny, thank you as always. One final thing before you go. We are now podcasting on Pinecast, Apple Podcasts, slash iTunes, Google Play, and Pocket Cast. So if you ever want to hear our show in its full entirety, you can always listen up to our podcast now. So we're proud yeah, to... Uh, and, yeah. And congratulations on that, guys. That, that's, that's awesome. All right, Johnny. Take care. Have a good night, buddy. All right. You guys, too. Take care. All the best. All right. That was the first ever host of Review and Preview, Johnny Montalbano from 2011 to 2014. When we come back, Tommy the Mac McNamara will join us here in the studio, and we will finish up talking about the Mets and start talking about the Yankees and their opening day in progress. You're listening to Review and Preview here on WCWPSports.org. Join alongside Mark Sanger and my co-host, Tommy the Mac McNamara, who just joined us here in the studio, guys. Now, Johnny Montalbano, our first host of the show, called in on our last segment and talked a little bit about the Mets and the Yankees with us. It is opening day. Very excited. We have one full hour of baseball here tonight, and we'll recap what we discussed about the Mets in just a minute and then move on to the Yankees. But first, the Vince Scully Award goes to the Yankees' very own and Yes Network's Michael Kay. And when Kay got the award, he was shocked. He did not think that he deserved to be on the same platform as the Hall of Famer Vince Scully, who is 90 years old, by the way, now. But, I mean, great honor for Michael Kay. Um, it, it's a great honor. Um, and sorry I'm late, Tom. You know, 
LIU was a parking lot yeah. today. As uh, always. <laughs> oh, God, it was awful. And it was road work. It wasn't an accident. Yeah. So thank God for that. But anyway, um, Vin Scully is, is in a league of his own. Mm-hmm. So for Michael K to get that award, oh, geez. Incredible. I mean, that's yeah. incredible. I mean, I've listened to uh, many Yankee games on the road, and he he is a good listen. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if he's at Vin Scully's level. I'm not sure anybody is. Because Vince Scully, I mean, he's painting a picture every time he's talking about a baseball Absolutely. game. Absolutely, that's what you want to do as an announcer. <laughs> oh yeah, but good for him. We like to remind you that you can tune into Review and Preview, our Thursday night weekly sports talk show on WCWPSports.org. Apologies about the one-hour delayed start tonight. The LIU Post baseball team had a game starting at three thirty, and then it ended at around five thirty. So we went live at six six to eight p.m. Will be our show tonight. You could also call in like Johnny Montalbano just did at our call number 516-299-2030. Now, we talked about Rusty Staub passing away. We also discussed the Mets and their opening day win against the Cardinals, which, quite frankly, talking about their pitching rotation, yes, Syndergaard did give up the two home runs, but 10 strikeouts over six innings is pretty good, and he kept it under 100. And looking at the rest of this rotation for the Cardinals series, it'll be DeGrom on Saturday. The Mets are off tomorrow. And then Matt's on Easter Sunday. And Lugo earns the final fifth spot after Harvey. So he'll be in the rotation over Zach Wheeler, who will start the season in Las Vegas. And I think it's well-deserved Yeah, by him. Um, I watched most of the game today. Um, and Sivnard was he was good. But he wasn't great. He wasn't, I mean, I, I don't think he was absolutely dominant. Um, 10Ks, it was nice, but that pitch that he uh, gave up to uh, Yadier Molina, did you see that uh, one, Tommy? Yeah, the, the two-run homer by Molina in the, I believe it was in the second inning. Yeah. Yeah. He threw gas. Maybe it was just Yadi just turning on it because that was an inside pitch, and, and he hit the uh, foul pole with it. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, I don't know. I thought he was good. I thought he could have been better. You know, I really was expecting him to be just better. But, you know what? Mets got to win today. 1-0. Yeah. We're undefeated. <laughs> now. I was really impressed. I'm sorry, Tom. With mm-hmm. uh, Nemo. Brandon Nemo. Yeah. I was As really impressed yeah. with him today. And, you know, that gives them a lot of depth in the outfield with Conforto's return in the wings, which originally it was supposed to be May 1st, but now they're saying it could he could return as early as April fifth. It's been you know what? If if Nimmo can play well, then you don't have to rush him back. Now, th- has that been confirmed yet, Mark? Conforto's return date? They're saying possibly April fifth. It depends on how many minor league at bats they want him to get first. But he's pl- he played at the end of spring training. He's in a lot of home runs. He looked ready, and I hope they don't rush him. Obviously, he's kind of like their franchise player in a sense. Right. So the future, yeah, the yeah. future. So I hope they take their time with him. But if they think mm-hmm. he's ready, then I'm ready for him. And what really Ed- impressed me was a guy who really did not look good in spring training at all. Adrian Gonzalez really had only one key hit towards the end of spring training. Had an incredible day today. Uh, Adrian Gonzalez two for three had the two walks. He reached base four times. You know, I, I was very impressed with the lineup top to bottom. I was today. impressed with him, and you know what? See you later, Travis Darno, because Plowecki played very well today. And I really hope that, you know, he can sustain what he did in the spring training. Yep. And, you know, um, 
you know, if he can carry it on into the regular season, that'd be awesome. Right. Because he looked good today. He did. He he really did. I mean, he's taking pitches. Um, he, he really good behind the plate. Yeah. I, I liked it a lot. And don't forget, Philip Evans earned his way onto the roster, and he would serve as the third catcher. But mm-hmm. we don't know how long he'll stay in the major leagues with Conforto's return looming. But in the scenario that, you know, if you get into a long extra inning game, Mickey Callaway has clearly stated he's not afraid to use a catcher as a pinch hitter because Darno and Plo- Ploiecki, supposedly on paper, they can both hit. Pl- Ploiecki right. clearly showed that today. Absolutely. Um, Todd Frazier, in Callaway's eyes, would be the emergency third catcher without Evans on the roster. Huh. So Todd Frazier does have semi experience catching. Um, one other guy that I was really impressed with today was Gazelman. Yeah. Out of, out of strikes the out the side. Three strikeouts. Yep, strikes out the side. And God forbid they need a, a long relief guy. He, the, the He's guy's the guy. A, the guy's a yep. starter. And he started some games. I right. thought he was no. going to go yeah. back yeah. out for the next inning, but they yeah. put him after one. He looked really good. He looked awesome. Yeah, he no, looked I really, was very really impressed good. with Robert but, Zellman. fellas, as we all know, it's 161 yeah. more games Just to go. Just the first game. So you can't take the temperature of a team you know, every day, every three days, every week. Even though we will, but <laughs> right. um, you know they look good today. Which we'll get to predictions a little later. There's in our a lot show. of optimism to take from today for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, like I said, great opening day win for the New York Mets. Uh, now let's move on to the Yankees. Why don't we? Um, they are currently in action against the Toronto Blue Jays. They started just shortly after 3:30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, and the game got started early. Aaron Judge. Named as the leadoff hitter, led off the game with a strikeout, and followed by Giancarlo Stanton, two batters later, with a two-run bomb in his first at-bat as a New York Yankee up in Toronto. And the Yankees currently leading the Blue Jays 5 nothing in the top of the eighth inning. That home run was an absolute seed Yeah, to his, the opposite field. Look, Tommy, his first game as a Yankee, he's 2-for-4 with three RBIs. Not bad. Yeah, Not bad at all. All my Yankee fans, uh, Yankee fan friends, went crazy after that one. My my Twitter feed was blowing up. Everyone was really yeah. excited. It's he's he's the guy in New York now. I he think is. I think he's yeah. going to become one of the main people that so everyone's going to talk team. about. Tommy, so, uh, so it was awesome. Fantasy, yeah, I got him too. But um, supposedly, his, I mean, this is a silly stat that I've never really heard of before. Like the last two years was the exit velocity. The exit velocity on that home run has been the largest ever, um, you know, spoken uh-huh. of, you know, like tallied up, yeah, right. and all, and, and it's in, you know, since it's been going on. So, yep. I mean, it was an absolute see. You know, there's been a lot of home runs hit today. The first pitch of the 2018 season was drilled for a home run Ian by Happ. Cubs Ian Happ. Yeah. The uh, first pitch of the season out of any game, home run. Ian Happ. I think that's where baseball is right now. It's a little home run happy. There's Power some, game, yeah. There's some uh, talk about the balls being juiced maybe, starting pitching's a little down, and yeah, there's a lot more home runs. Yeah. And former Met Neil Walker actually starting at first base today for the Yankees. They Apparently, that's where they have him here. I think he moved to first base. He started the game at second. He's now playing first base because Tyler Wade was inserted. I believe Austin is sitting now mm-hmm. for the remainder of this game, but... Looking at the Yankees lineup, um, top to bottom, let off by, they were saying Judge let off today, correct, Mark? I think it was Brett Gardner. Yeah, that, 
you know, it's weird. They they have that here on the Yeah. Okay, yes. Gardner was the leadoff hitter. He started the game on base. He got the hit. And then Judge struck out in the two hole. Giancarlo Stanton, the designated hitter, number three guy. Gary Sanchez cleaning up as the number four hitter. Aaron Hicks in center at number five. Didi at short, number six. Brandon Drury, who they acquired for in that trade, starting at third base, the number seven hitter. The former New York Met, Neil Walker, Pittsburgh Pirate as well, starting eighth at second. Uh, you know, remember, there's no Greg Bird guys. You get, do you think that injury is a big one for them? Because has he been relevant yet? I'm, I'm hearing on, like, the fan Look, and I stuff. I mean, it that, could be, but say, I don't. I'm just saying that they're talking about how uh, that injury is going to affect that lineup. I'm like, well, how? I think it's more hype than anything because this whole time everyone's been talking about how Greg Bird's a 30-home run bat. He's which, be... Look, and that's why Tyler Austin made the team starting first baseman on opening day, which is more only reason why I overweighed, more because of uh, Boone liked the matchup better okay. with Austin hitting ninth, um, which the Yankees have 10 hits so far on the day. Um, they've played a tr- tremendous game so far up in Toronto. Um, and they're starting a guy today, Luis Severino, who last year, 14-6, and six, had 230 strikeouts. And he's teeing off against J.A. Happ. Happ last year, 10-11. and 11. His ERA was under 4. It was around the 3.5 area. Happ, a big lefty for Toronto, who two seasons ago posted a 20-4 and four record back in 2016. And let me tell you something. Today did not look very good. In fact, the Blue Jays, as a team, only have one hit the whole game. Severino is throwing gas. Yeah. I watched a little bit of that before I left, and Severino wasn't even didn't even look like he was trying. Yeah. And like he throws like Syndergaard does. I mean, it's free and easy. Massive heat. Yeah. Look, I I don't I don't know um I don't know if Sev, if Severino is um on Syndergaard's level, but he is up there. I mean, remember, he was Brian Marbach. Well, he was Brian Mar our former host of the show, Brian Marbach. That was his CY Young pick last year. And we all shaked our heads when he said that. We yeah. all scratched our heads. I'm like, what, what is Marbach thinking? Well, look, he's throwing the gas today, and he's in line for a win. So good for him and good for the Yankees. I think. I do think the Yankees are overhyped, though. People are saying 100 wins. I don't think so. Not because of the team. I think the question is the rotation, how that's going to fare out. You know, a couple of wild cards in Sonny Gray, Jordan Montgomery. But remember... You have the Boston Red Sox. You have the Houston Astros. You have the Cleveland Indians. Powerhouse super teams to go against in postseason play, to go against this season, one of them in your own division. Definitely. I don't think the Red Sox are getting a fair crack at this because everyone's kind of just writing them off in a sense. I hear yeah. a lot of everyone saying it's the Yankees division, no contest, they have Stanton. Well, the Red Sox won that division last season, and they brought in J.D. Martinez to kind mm-hmm. of counteract the Stanton move. So I think the Red Sox are right there with them, if not a little above them in my eyes. Right. What do you think, Tom? You know what? I, I think the Yankees are legit. I mean, if and bothers me a little bit as a Met fan saying that, but I think they're legit. If, if their health remains solid, mm-hmm. I really don't think there's much to stop them. I, mean, I Unfortunately, I, but that's the truth. I don't think their starting pitching is as good as other teams. No, I really don't think so. After Severino... 
Severino's a legitimate ace. I mean, though. you have Tanaka, who's on and off, and then you have Sabathia, who's at the back end of his career. He can be consistent, but I don't see the old Sabathia in him. And then two unknowns in Gray and Montgomery. You know, who's next? I don't know if Tony Gray's an unknown. I don't well, know if he's an unknown. I think it's durability with him. If he's yeah, healthy, but if you look at the average fan and you tell them, well, Son- Sonny Gray, who is he? That's the point that I was making. There. Right. Because well, quite frankly, if I name. if I didn't live in New York, I wouldn't know who Sonny Gray is. Only only reason why I know him is because I'm the host of the show and I live in New York. You know, no, you're a I'm baseball saying? fan, so you know right. who he is. But you know what's going to happen though, Tom? At the break, at the you know also break or the trading deadline, if the Yankees are in it and they realize that their starting pitching may be a problem, mm-hmm. they're going to go get somebody. Right. I think they have they, to. They will. Could happen. No. They're they're gonna they're gonna get somebody. Could happen without a doubt. And we're going to step aside for another quick break. When we come back, we will talk more Yankees and get into some Major League Baseball injuries. You're listening to Review and Preview here on WCWPSports.org. Welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I am your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside Tommy the Mac, McNamara, Mark Sanger here in the studio tonight. Whoever that caller was, we do apologize. Uh, feel free to call back if you wish at our call number. Anyone can call in, 516-299-2030. Oh, already had one caller tonight. And you can listen to us live on our web feed at wcwpsports.org. Or if you're friends with Tommy the Mac, McNamara, or myself on Facebook, we have Facebook Live up for you here tonight. And... Guys, opening day. It's been an incredible day for New York baseball. You know, Mets winning 9-4, to Yankees up 5 nothing, top of the eighth inning. But there are a couple of injuries for both teams to be concerned about. For the Yankees, you know, starting first baseman Greg Bird is out. You know, Clint Frazier, key role player off the bench, is out for a little bit as well. And Jacoby Ellsbury in the outfield. You know, I think Hicks is doing a good job today. Um, Do you think Ellsbury is a big injury, though? The Yankees were... Really weren't counting on him, though. Right, but I think... They would love love to get rid of him if they could. But I think him in the outfield with Judge, Stanton, and Gardner, I mean, whoever the DH would be out of those four, I think that's a solid four. I mean, I don't think you need him. He provides nice insurance. He's a good defender. He still runs pretty well. Yeah, insurance, though, that's an expensive insurance policy. Well, they're they're stuck at this point, yeah. (laughs) Well, I know. I'm saying if they could get rid of him, I'm sure they would. I'm sure, So I'm not sure if that's a a significant injury because I, I, I would think the Yankees... Would rather not play him, you know. Like that's fair. I don't know. I, in my yeah. opinion, um, the Yankees are up five nothing, top of the eighth, two out here, and Neil Walker currently at bat. The former Met, who's one for four on the day. Now, we talked about injuries for the Yankees, injuries for the Mets. We know Conforto is out uh, at least until next week. David Wright obviously opens up on the DL. We don't know if he'll see the field again. Rafael Montero, sixty day DL. He's probably done for the year. Yeah, he John. is with yeah. the UCL. Yeah, he's out. TJ Rivera, I like that kid. Yeah, he's he starts the season on the DL and Jason Vargas as well. Uh, he'll be back. Currently, yeah, he'll be back at some point. They were talking about him being the number three guy. Yeah, back in spring training, but the three spot currently in the hands of the dominant lefty Stephen Matz. For sure. So, well, we hope he's dominant. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he can be. I think with his stuff, but. Look, I think Matz is going to be a lot better than he was two years ago. I mean, I think this Mets ball club, you're looking at their lineup top to bottom. It's, 
you know, you can compare it to the World Series team a couple of years ago because if you think about it, the Mets heavily leaned on their starting pitching. And yeah. if you have those five guys in Jacob DeGrom, Noah Syndergaard, Steven Matz, Matt Harvey, and whoever the fifth guy may be, if it's Zach Wheeler, Lugo, whoever, Vargas, that's a pretty dominant five. Yeah, for sure. It's all about health and uh, yeah. touching on Steven Matz, it's consistency. Sometimes he looks like he's one of the best pitchers in baseball, and sometimes he looks like he doesn't belong in, major, in the major leagues. Yeah, He's got to find that level. We'll see. But it's all about health with, with the Nets. Speaking and, of and health, injuries around the major leagues. The Texas Rangers guys have seven pitchers on the DL Yikes. to open up the season. Seven. Not ideal. Not the way you want to start. Uh, other few notables, or- Orioles' Mark Trumbo. Nationals, Daniel Murphy, Marlins, Martin Prado. You know, good sign if you're a Mets fan. Two star guys on two other teams out. Uh, San Francisco, their pitching rotation is a little iffy right now. No Madison Bumgarner and no Jeff Samarja. So really, you know, those are two of their quality pitch. you got to be really concerned if you're San Francisco. For sure. Um, I think the Giants already needed everything to go right to be competitive in 2018. I think they were already behind the eight ball in a sense and losing your ace and your two star does not help the cause at all right and you know it's just the giants they don't have a very good farm system no, either not at all you know uh i'm just concerned you know you have Bumgarner sitting here at 28 now and i thought they should have tried we'll to rebuild this offseason but yeah. they, they opted to trade the little farm they had left to try to get andrew right. mccutch and nevin longoria two guys are probably on the the wrong side of their primes yeah. to try to go for it one more time. Well, Garner will miss at least the first two months of the season. Now, Tommy, uh, Justin Turner out for the Dodgers. That's a key guy for them. He was the co-NLCS MVP last year. He, you know, he's a big guy out of that Dodgers lineup. He is. They have, re- I mean, they have replacements. They have a good farm system. And they have Bellinger. Uh, yeah, he, I mean, he's a big loss, but he could be replaced for now. And when he comes back, it's like a, it's like a signing, you know. So, yeah. I don't think he's going to be gone that long. Mm-hmm. And Adam Wainwright as well for the St. Louis Cardinals, who probably would have started this game today against the Mets if he was healthy. Uh, Wainwright, thirty-six years old, six-seven, big guy. You know, he's still throwing the rock pretty, pretty well. You know, I think that. I don't. I don't know what his status is, but last year he was twelve and five in twenty-four games played. The year before he was thirteen and nine. I mean, he still gets you double-digit wins just about every year. Key guy to be missing if you're St. Louis. He's got that big hook. Yeah. And you know the one that struck out Carlos Beltran. Yeah. That kills all Smith fans. <laughs> Dylan Batanz is currently in the game for the Yankees. Bottom of the eighth inning. You know, again that Yankees bullpen. Something you really gotta. Um, key in on if you're a Yankees fan this season if you're going to be successful I think that's one thing that the Yankees really should be focusing on Um, and that leads us to our predictions Um, before we get to the records let's start with the biggest strength and the biggest weakness and the biggest weakness excuse me for both the Mets and the Yankees Mark we'll start with you biggest strength for the Mets I'd say it's clearly their starting pitching. Yeah, it's behind Noah, Jacob, and everyone else behind them. For their weaknesses, can you call health a weakness? Is that I fair? Mean, to, that uh, could be for any be. team. Yeah, but, it could be, know, but the, the training, it's luck of the yeah. draw. Um, they're a pretty slow team, if you want to call that. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, 
Tommy, biggest strength and weakness for the New York Mets? I think they're one of the biggest strengths right now is their bench. They have a decent bench right now, and very deep. Uh, you know, with Flores, uh, Flores leading the way. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously they're pitching if healthy, and you know their bullpen isn't terrible. No. You know, it's really not that bad. It's it's fairly deep. So I would say their bench. I mean, uh, you know, Mark took the. He did obviously. Which no, which is the you know which, which is a good one. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna say their bench and their bullpen and their biggest weakness. I'm gonna go with Mark. It's their unlucky health right you know like they, they've had that bug so hopefully it doesn't hit them this year now for me at least my biggest strength for the Mets I think is going to be the return of Matt Harvey to really zero in on one thing I think that he's going to be lights out this year um, and I think he will at some point solidify the three role in the rotation again but you know having a lefty in the middle like that like Matt's may not be the baddest thing to have you know I think that Harvey's return will fire this team up. You know, he's an emotional guy out there. You know, he's he's very active. Uh, biggest weakness for the Mets? You know, I'm not too sure yet on what it might be. I'm a little concerned with the middle inning relievers at the moment. They're young guys. You know, Swarzak was dumped by the Yankees a couple years back. Uh, you know, Mon- Montero out for the year. Tommy John, it's uh, – I mean – Familia and Blevins look consistent for me for the most part. You saw good signs from Zellman today. But, uh, yeah, if I had to pick one area right now, I think middle innings relieving, with the exception of Zellman, is there another option? Because at one point, if a pitcher goes down, Zellman might have to start a game. So, yeah. I mean, we'll see. For Which sure. is fine. He's He's been in that role before. Mm-hmm. you know. And another weakness may be their age on the corners with uh, Gonzalez and Frazier. Frazier. As far as yeah. range. You know, not necessarily. You know, if the ball's hit right yeah. at him, they're going to catch it. But Mark was saying a little slow, right? Yeah, they're yeah. definitely a slower team. They're not the most athletic bunch. Besides Rosario, it's short, and then Nimmo in the outfield runs pretty well. Rosario looked good today out of the nine hole. Nice I'll day. tell you, he I know, I'm not sure if I'd like that um, Syndergaard bat in eighth because there was a situation earlier in the game where Syndergaard was up with runners in scoring position with one out, yeah, and it didn't work out, and it was based on. The batting order, right? You know, and I, I think uh, Callaway's got to, you know, just go go the natural way, make the picture, make the picture ninth. Mm-hmm. I understand you want back to back, you know, possible leadoff hitters, but you know, let the pitcher just bat ninth and you know, just yeah, just be normal. You know, I think it might fool a team. To be honest with you, uh, to have a guy in the eight hole, not really fool a team, but more like throw throw them off, throw their. Uh, Opposing pitching off because you know Rosario in the nine hole, and that kind of covers up the pitcher a little bit because with the Mets in the past, the further down you go through the lineup in previous years, it just gets weaker and weaker and weaker in any lineup. But with the Mets in particular, um, and Syndergaard's not a bad hitting pitcher. No. I know no, he, he's he, not. he worked one count full today. Yeah, which and, and he's not a bad thing. not a bad hitting pitcher at all. But there was one instance if the Mets didn't have the lead. Um, that situation could have came back to bite them. You know, and they didn't score a run. It was second and third with one out. Yeah. And they didn't score a run. I was frustrated when that happened. When I saw it was Noah's turn to hit and there's two on, and then it's like, all right, let's yeah. try to put the ball in play, and he obviously struck out. It's like, great, yeah. he takes good hacks, but, you know. You want contact in that situation. Right, and right. you know what? They may have pitched around Rosario to get to Syndergaard, but Syndergaard would have been up now with one out, bases loaded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... 
something would have happened. But anyway, it didn't come back to bite him. Look, I think not having Tyler Clippard in your bullpen is a good thing for the Mets this year. You know, having a consistent bullpen, I think, is the key to them. Because, you know, you can't rely on your starting pitching every single game. You know, there's going to be games where the starting pitching just isn't there. Uh, hopefully sure. not. Hopefully not too often, but... We'll see. Now, I think any team that has that doesn't have Tyler Clippard in their bullpen is a good thing. Biggest <laughs> strength. <laughs> biggest strength for the Yankees. Hmm. What Tommy, could that be? Want to go first? <laughs> uh, we'll start with yeah, sure, Mark. Go ahead. I'm going to say their bullpen. I think their bullpen is the greatest strength in this team. Uh-huh. You could say the lineup, but I'm going to take the bullpen. Mm-hmm. I think Chapman, David Robertson, Chad Green, Del mm-hmm. Matanzas. Yep. Tommy Conley, just guy after guy after guy pumping 95-plus at you just right. nonstop. And I think that's going to cover up their poor or questionable starting pitching. Tommy? Yeah, you know what? I'm going to agree with Mark. It's definitely the bullpen. Mm-hmm. It's They are going to um, be hard to beat. As soon as the Yankees get a lead, after the fifth or sixth inning, they are going to just bring guys at you yeah. every night. And I would I would think their, um, their second um, – positive would be you know just being being able to rest judge and stanton you know one guy can dh one night one guy could play right field one night they could just keep flip-flopping and keep guys fairly rested as far as playing the field Mm -hmm. for me biggest strength is it's the one-two punch of judge and stanton you know it leads your offense it's power and that ballpark they're gonna come. They should combine for well over 100 home runs, if you ask me. So that'd be something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, biggest weakness, I would say, the starting pitching. Um, as I'll start with myself in that category. Um, again, a lot you of you don't un- seem too confident, do you, Tom? A lot of unknowns in that rotation because you know Tanaka. You just don't know what you're gonna get night in, night out. It's kind of like um, a younger version of Bartolo Colon. Uh, con- consistent with his pitches, but more all over the place in terms of what you get. Sabathia, Southpaw, can be really good, can also be really bad. Uh, and Gray and Montgomery, two young guys that both have a lot of potential. I see a lot of potential in both of those guys. But, um, again, if I had to pick one weakness on that team, that would be it. Because it's really hard to pick a weakness. Uh, Tommy, what's your weakness? I'm thinking possibly could be um, Boone the manager he's never been mm-hmm. you know in this position before yeah, he's never coached it he's never been in any uh, managerial position at all yeah. so that could you know straight out of the uh, the booth right yeah. I mean there, there could be a lot of situations where he's not familiar with and he just you know might make the wrong call at the wrong time so I don't I mean in my opinion, of all the major sports, I think Major League Baseball is the least important as right. far as coaching. Mm-hmm. So you just write down your lineup and you let them go. But if there was a weakness, I would think that possibly could be it. Right. Mark? Uh, for me, I do agree with you on the starting pitching front, but just to be different, I think it's potential regression for this team. Well, I get it. They're all very young and they're getting better. I don't think Aaron Judge is saying 285 with 50 home runs again. I, no. just, I don't see that happening. He struck out at like 30% of the yeah. time. You can't really have that high of a batting average. It's mm-hmm. not sustainable. They had guys like Aaron Hicks, Didi Gregorius, not come out of nowhere, but kind of have career years in 2017. And I think there's going to be a level of regression to that. Yeah. 
I, I think Judge is lucky in a sense where he has a lot of protection in the lineup where not so much is going to be carried on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. But like you said, if a guy goes down, all of a sudden this can completely shift. This could completely derail what the Yankees are trying to accomplish as a batting order. Um, now, again, it's it's tough to say. I don't think I think you're right. Um, John Carlos Stanton has clearly given Judge advice on how to avoid that sophomore slump. Yeah, um, technically his third year in the league, second full year. Uh, but John, John Carlos Stanton, I think, is going to be. He might overtake Judge as the face of this team this year, if you ask me. Um, for some reason in my head, I have a feeling one of those guys is going to go go down at some point, and I think it's going to be Giancarlo, and then Judge is going to be forced to take the load, and then he's just not going to produce at a way you want him to, like the second half of last year, you know? Yeah, he went into a slump last year. He hit like 100 for a month and a half. It struck out almost every at-bat. Mm-hmm. He was lost at the plate, and... Um, that's fair to say. Stanton usually has an injury besides last season where he hit 59 home runs. He usually misses time. So I don't think that's crazy to predict an injury for Giancarlo. Well, he did just get called out on strikes for the second time today, Judge. But he is 2 for 4 on the day, and he scored a run plus a walk. So he has reached base three times. Good opening day outing if you're Aaron Judge. And Giancarlo Stanton, oh boy, five at-bats, three runs, three hits, four RBIs. Let's hope he doesn't get hurt. Yeah. Well, if you're a Yankee Playing fan. well. Um, okay. We're going to keep it here up until the top of the hour. Now, let's predict the Mets and the Yankees' records. Um, I'll give you each a moment to digest that. Do I need to get my pen out? Sure, but like we talked on the phone last night, rough draft. Not set in stone. Rough draft. Not set in stone, but we will be held accountable if something bad happens in the first couple of weeks. But while you guys take a moment to digest that in, Yankees currently up on Toronto, 6-1, top of the ninth inning, Two out, Gary Sanchez at the plate as Giancarlo Stanton. And apparently Giancarlo Stanton just homered to center field. Again? Yep. Oh, boy. <laughs> and Sanchez pops up. Start. So Giancarlo Stanton, two home runs on the day in his Yankee debut. debut. And what's crazy is he's doing this at Rogers. He's not doing this at Yankee Stadium, guys. He can hit the ball. Out of any park, though. Wait until his debut at Yankee Stadium. Oh, my. Uh, All right. With that being said, predictions. <laughs> we got to get to it. Um, Mark? Uh, we'll start with the Mets. Sure. I think the Mets will go 90-72 and 72 wow. and secure a wild card spot. Wow. That's a big number. I hope you're right. I think they could do it. It's just like we've, like we've preached, like everyone's preached. It's just about health. If this team can be healthy, they can be competitive. Fair enough. Do you have your Yankees one yet, or should we go to Tommy? Uh, we go to Tommy. Then go sure. To um, Mac? I'm not very good at math, but I'm going to say the Mets are going to win 88 games. So that would be, what was that? I think the Mets are going to win 88. 88. 88, 88, 88 and 74. 74. 74. 88 and 74, oh, 74. is 162. That's, yes, yep. that is me. All right. I, th- I think uh, it's all going to be about health. Yeah. Wow. You know what? The, you know. It, the record could be opposite if you know three of the five starters go down, yeah. or even worse. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean it's all about the Mets' health. All right. Well, you know, you know what? I've been thinking about this for a while now, and I see the lineup that the Mets have, and I see the pitching rotation that we have with 
the concern of injuries lagging, you know, part of me wants to say 90-plus, but I don't know. Something just tells me. Eh. I think the Mets win 87 games, so that would be 87 and 75. Now, I do think that that puts them in as the last, as the second wild card. We'll all have to get through the playing game. So you can write down for me 87 and 75. Oh, it's um, down. With that being said, we'll, we will reevaluate these midseason, and then we will make our updated picks, and then those will be our final, marked in on ink. <laughs> uh, but you do have the option to stick to these picks as well. Guys, let's get to the Yankees. Who's ready? I'm ready. Mark Sanger, let's go. I'll say the Yankees win 95 games. Wow. So All right. 95. 95 for and Mark. 67, I believe that. I believe that is correct. You know what? Tommy. I, would, I think that's a pretty fair uh, call right there. I was going to say like 96, 97, but you know what? I'm going to say 100. Wow. I'm going to say 100. Wow. You know what? But it's all based on, like, you know, re- repeated, repeated. It's all based on health. You know, if, if the Yankees right. stay healthy, if that lineup can stay on the field every day and their uh, pitching staff can, you know, just get them through, just to get them to their uh, bullpen, mm-hmm. they're going to win a lot of games, man. They are really going to win a lot of games. All right, guys. Well, I'm going a little different Oops. here. I say 93 and 69. I don't see the Yankees getting to 100 wins. I don't see enough consistency throughout the season. I feel like they're going to be a very up-and-down team. I feel like the rotation, look, any team in the American League can put up runs, you know, and it all comes down to that starting pitching, and there's just too many potential flaws in that rotation that I don't see the Yankees getting to 100 wins. If they make a big move at the deadline for a, for a pitcher or one of these young guys develops, then sure, I think 100 wins is very much within reach. But as of right now, I don't see it. 93 I, and 69. I... I think that the Yankees lineup doesn't really need the the most um, you know the best rotation to sustain the team you know I, I think the Yankees are going to put up six seven runs a game and if they do that the rotation just has to get to the bullpen the one thing I worry about with the Yankees is I agree that they're going to be in the 90s like I said in the regular season but you get to the playoffs then you're missing very good pitching like they're going to beat up on Baltimore they're going to beat up on Toronto these are not great starting pitching teams then you get to the playoffs, and you run into Cleveland with Kluber and Carrasco and the Astros with Verlander and Cole and Keiko, and there's a lot of swing and miss in this lineup. Mm-hmm. It's concerning. I think the Yankees win at least 93 games, but as of right now, I'm going 93-69, well, and I say the Mets win at least 87 games. If uh, the Mets do make, I mean the Mets, the Yankees do make the playoffs, Mark, you're right, um, better pitching beats better hitting. Come playoff time. Oh yeah. So with the Mets in 2015. Right. So the Yankees could make a torrid run throughout the season and then get totally shut down by, you know, Cleveland's pitching or you know just any other team or uh, Houston's pitching or let's just say make it to the World Series. You know, the Cubs pitching. Better pitching definitely wins out come playoff time. Folks, when we come back. We'll uh, send it to break here. When we come back, we will kick off the top of the hour with our team of the week and then wrap up baseball. You're listening to Review and Preview here on WCWPSports.org. All right, folks, welcome back to Review and Preview. 
at this time, I would normally say it's the 6 o'clock hour, but it is the 7 o'clock hour. We started one hour late tonight. LIE Post Baseball interfered and ended at 5.30 p.m. That will happen occasionally here, periodically during the spring semester. Remind you folks, you can listen to our show on WCWPSports.org. Also, if you're listening right now or watching on Facebook Live, you can download the WCWP radio app and listen at WCWP Talk slash Sports. And feel free, call in with your questions, thoughts, comments, 516-299-2030. This is our very, uh, not our very first, this is now our third podcast of Review and Preview. All right, guys, top of the hour. You know what time it is, right? Team of the week. Team of the week. So with that being said. I have one. Tommy, I can guarantee. No, it's not going to. I can properly predict your team of the week. Go for it. No, you're not. I mean. It's not one of those, you know, the team that lost 15 straight. Go it's ahead. not one of those. Go you know, ahead. That was a good call. I know exactly who you're going with. Where am I going with? If I had to take a guess, it's a Jesuit University, Sister Jean. Loyola, 98 Chicago. years old. I got it. You did. There you go. Well, because I, I just opened Final up my four. bracket. Final four. First time yes. in 55 years they've made the Final Four, Tommy. It's a... Uh, Sweet run that they're on, and now that I have no more rooting interest in my bracket, that's yeah. that's my team of the week. I mean, they're making an incredible run, so um, that's my team. That's my team of the week. Mark, do you have a team of the week? Um, I'm just very happy that baseball's back. I'll take the Mets. You right. know, they only played one game, but I'm very excited about them. Fair enough. You know, the Mets had a good game today. All right. Um, I'm going with, well, if you, if, you, if you asked me this last night, I would have picked a different team, but I'm going to go with Tommy, Loyola Chicago. Uh, first time they've reached the Final Four in 55 years when they won the national championship game. 11th seed has never made the national championship game. And, look, they're a very multi multi-dimensional team. They have five players who average double figures. They're the Missouri Valley Conference champs, so they got the automatic bid, as where Wichita State would get that automatic bid in previous years. And they're on a 14-game winning streak. And they go in to play Michigan on Saturday on a 13-game winning streak. But Sister Jean, currently 98 years old, the players honor her, and she's enjoying this ride as much as the players are. The fans, they're a bunch of, they're a group of great kids uh, you know the one thing about that team right now, Tom, is that they have zero pressure on them. They're not supposed to be there, so they they play with house money. Selfless. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, if if they lose in the final four, oh well. Like teams right. like Villanova exactly. and Michigan, they they're supposed to be there. Look, clear so underdogs throughout the whole tournament, but right, they so, proved everyone wrong. So what I'm what I'm saying is, like, they can um, hold their heads held high. Regardless of what happens, right. if Villanova loses in the Final Four, they're going to be disappointed. I mean, Loyola would be too if they lost, but not as you know to the level that Villanova would. Well, I think Villanova Kansas is kind of a toss-up game. I think the only team with real immense pressure on them right now is Michigan because they're projected to win this game, and realistically, the storyline might continue. But we'll we'll get to March Madness a little bit later in our show. So me and Tommy actually agree on something. Loyola Chicago. And Mark picks the New York Mets. Now, back to baseball. Let's wrap this up here. We talked about our record predictions for the Mets and the Yankees. Now, 
We talked to, also talked about the biggest strength and the weakness for each team. By the way, the Yankee game is now final. The Yankees defeated the Toronto Blue Jays 6-1. to one. Toronto just one run, two hits the entire day. Uh, Yankees really dominant. Giancarlo Stanton, two home runs in his bomber debut, three for five, four runs batted in. Incredible start to his Yankee career. Um, let's predict the playoffs. And maybe Wild cards included or just um, uh, you want to do that? Yeah, we'll, okay. predict, we'll predict the whole playoffs. Okay. So with that being said, um, if you guys want some time, I'll start this one. You can start. Sure. Um, well, I have the Yankees winning the East, and I have the Red Sox in as a wild card. And then, you know, the other pick is obviously Houston. Look, I, I think that they're going to be a dominant team. Winning the World Series last year, I'm almost positive that they'll be back. I think the Indians will be back in postseason play, and I think they'll come out of the Central. Now, if you had to ask me a wild card team, the second wild card team that I had, it would be definitely very tough to pick at this time of the season. Um, you know, a couple of teams that strike out to me potentially Baltimore, uh, Oakland, Minnesota, Texas. Um, you know, honestly, if I had to, if I had to predict a second wild card team at this time, I may. Oh, man, you know it's so tough, Tommy. You know, just pr- predicting. It really is, man. Oh. I mean, if you could foresee injuries, if you could foresee, um, you know, just anything. Well, I that, just picked the obvious. Can't. I just picked the obvious four. <laughs> um, give me, put down Texas for me right now. For the West. Yeah. I think it's going to come down to the Texers, the well, the Texers, the, the Rangers, and the Athletics. But I think the Rangers on. will. Uh, yes. um, the Astros. Or I currently have down the Yankees, Red Sox, Indians, Astros, and Rangers. Okay. And don't sleep on the Angels either. You know, Mike Trout. Cole Calhoun. Actually, let me switch that. All right, wild card team for me, the Angels. I'm go Angels instead of Rangers. Okay, so you got Angels, Astros, and Red Sox. Angels, Astros, Red Sox, Yankees. Okay. And Indians. Uh, Mark, let's do your American League teams. All right, the American League will go. I got Red Sox and the AL East winning that division. With the, Yankee, oh, with the Yankees getting the first wild card. I'll take Cleveland out of the Central. I'll take Houston out of the West. And then the Angels getting the second wild card, playing wow. the, the Yankees in the one game. Look at Mark Sanger. I'm playing the Red Sox, excuse me. Yankees, yeah. no, Yankees. No, but say the Astros are the second wild card? No, Astros are in. Oh, Astros are in. Mm-hmm. It's so Angel, you, Angels versus Yankees in the one game playoff. Yeah. Angels, okay. And my one game playoff would be the Red Sox and Angels for the record. Tommy. All right. Um,. I'm going, I mean, I hate to say it, but the Yankees. Hmm. I really don't want to say it, <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to go with them. Um, my wild card, oh, no, I'll do the uh, Division one winners first. Sure. Uh, I'm going to say Cleveland. I don't think there's anybody else in that division. You know, they might win the least games of Division right. winners mm-hmm. just because that division stinks. Um, in the West, it's I mean, I can't take anybody else but Houston, so we're all on board there. 
Uh, actually, no. We're not all on board, are we? With Houston, yeah. No, with Cleveland, I mean. Um, yeah, I think we're all on Cleveland. Who's just taking the Central? Hi, Cleveland. Okay. And my wild cards, I'm going to take Toronto. Ah. I know they lost today. They didn't look good. But I think they have a decent team. I think their pitching is better than people think. Mm-hmm. So You like Stroman. I love uh, yeah. Yep. Like him. Not because he's a Long Island kid, but I just think he's a solid pitcher. And the other wild card, ugh, I mean, I guess I'm going to take the Angels, but. Reluctantly. No, you know what? I'm not. I'm well, backing off. Wow. Minnesota Twins. Hmm. Interesting. I think they're a little different. I think they are a little underrated, too. Under the radar. So, I have the Yankees, Cleveland, Houston. My two wild cards are Toronto and the Twins. Mm. I think that would be good for baseball, if your predictions were right. That would be, that'd be, be a lot nice. of fun. Yeah, yeah that, oh, definitely. That'd be fun. <laughs> All right, so let's get to our National League picks. Um, I guess I'll start again, since I started with American League. Uh, the division winner, the Nationals, um, probably win 90-94 to 94 game range. And I have the Mets as a wild card in that division, the second wild card. Uh, moving on from that. I'm sorry, Tom. Start again? I'm sorry. You have the, the Nationals will win the division, okay. and then the Mets will be a wild card. Okay. I have the Dodgers coming out of the West, and I have the Diamondbacks as the second wild card, which leaves me with the NL Central, Chicago Cubs. The Mets okay. and the Diamondbacks in that wild card game. That would be an int- a very interesting game. It would be. If you ask Probably me. Probably Syndergaard and uh, Granke or Syndergaard and Robbie Ray. Probably one of those two. Yeah. I, I would assume Zach Granke if he comes back healthy. So, Mark, you're up. All right. For me, it's uh, the Nationals winning the NL East, um, the Cubs winning the Central, and then the Dodgers winning the West. And then for the wild card game, I have today's opening day, the Mets and the Cardinals at City Field. Wow. That'd very, cool very interesting. Hey, guys, before we get to Tommy, I'm just going to say one thing. Don't sleep on the Phillies. Really? They have 90-win potential, I think. I think you're right. I this think, season? Uh, Arietta was a huge um, addition, and their lineup is solid, and they have a Starting pitcher with the last name Velasquez on that team. I think they win eighty games guaranteed, stuff. at least eighty wow. this year. Yeah. Still below five hundred. They're definitely up right, and coming. I don't know if they're ready. I'm yet. saying they have ninety win potential. They could win at least eighty. I just would not sleep on them. Absolutely not, Tommy. They're not in my predictions, but I like that call. Uh, unfortunately, the Nats are going <laughs> to you know make that run. Right. Um, I, I think there's a chance. Uh, in the West, that the Rockies come out of that could. I mean, I skipped over the Central, but because we're all in agreement with the Cubs, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to go Rockies in the West. I like that. I was tempted to pick the Diamondbacks, but I stuck with the Dodgers. I just think they're too deep and too strong. Yeah. And my wild cards, I'm going to go the Milwaukee Brewers. Mm. I like that team. I've always liked that team, actually. And I'm going to say, all right, I'll go got, with the Nets. you got to pick. I'm going to take the Nets. <laughs> L.A. Uh, out? L.A.'s out. Dodgers on the out looking in. Oh, my. Yeah, I think oh, they're out. Maybe the first well, time in uh, all right. five, six years. What? I, oh, I wrote, it's in pen, Tom. It's in pen. <laughs> oh, man. Well, hold on. This <laughs> is one of those moments on the show where you just want to 
Tommy? Yes. Didn't you say we can reevaluate these picks? We can reevaluate these can. picks. They are not final. So okay. we will readdress this okay. mid July. You know what? That's why and we're going to talk about it until mid July. <laughs> this is why you go out of the box oh, now, man. and then you could readjust later. Okay. With that being said, <laughs> do we want to do World Series tonight, or do we want to hold off? Let's do it. Sure. Opening day World Series picks. So, um, look, I've got to go with the Yanks. Oof. Oh, oh, losing in the ALCS <laughs> to the Houston Astros. Wow, you got me there. I was yeah, like, yeah. I was like, <laughs> the shaky pitching, and they're going to give them the World Series. Astros <laughs> are back. You, you like that one? That, that, oh, you got me. That got yeah. you on your toes for a minute, yeah, Mark. Like, wow. How am I going to counter this? And with that being said, out of the National League, representing the National League, um, you know, uh, I think we might see a rematch, but something tells me the Cubs are going to come out this year. I, I, I think the Cubs come out of the National League. Who are they beating? No one. Well, they have to beat somebody to get there. Oh. <laughs> I, 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 thought, I thought you meant the, the World Series. I'm like, I'm not revealing you that yet. Oh. Uh, L.A. Yeah, L.A. Okay. Yeah. And then so it's Cubs to Cubs Houston. Yeah, and okay. I think Chicago takes it. The Cubs over the Astros. All right. All right. Well, I have a rematch of the 2016 World Series, Ooh. but reverse. I have the Cleveland Ooh. Indians beating the Chicago Cubs in the World Series. Wow. I think Cleveland plays with a chip on their shoulder. I think they're a very deep, talented lineup. And I think they have the pitching to back it. I think they're going to win the World Series. I like that pick. Tommy? Yeah, I have the Yankees in Houston back in the uh, back in the playoff. And I have... Is this 2017 all over again? No. Nope. <laughs> I'm gonna, actually, I'm going to... Re- not reverse, but Uh-oh. I think the um, the Cubs are going to lose to the Nats, the Nationals, and I think the Nationals are going to beat the Astros. And as a Met fan, that pains me. It the, does. The team that can't get out of the first round is yes. going to go all the way. I this think year? that I think. Uh, Mark, this doesn't make me happy to no, say. No, I hear you. I, and I, and I'm, it's I, and a very I, raw and uncut type of pick. You know, it's, and if, if you're on the show, you've got to be that way. And I'm hoping, you know, when we can readjust <laughs> our picks, I was totally off. Me too. But Scherzer, Strasburg. Sure. I mean, that well, lineup. On paper, they're great, yeah. All right. You know, Murphy's Do not lose now, that paper. Oh, oh, no, I got it. All right. So, we're good on that. All right. My CY Young. Uh... Syndergaard. Syndergaard is my CY Young. Mike Trout's my MVP. Okay. Hold, 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 hold on. Do you want to do NL and AL? National MVP, American League. Sure. And Mike Trout, my AL MVP. NL, oh, that makes me think for a minute. I was kind of hoping Giancarlo was still in the, in the NL for a minute. Oh, boy. You know, that that's a tough one for me. You want me to take over? Yeah. For me, uh, I think the national MVP is going to be Bryce Harper. I think it's his contract year. He's playing for his 10-year, $400 million deal. I think he's just going to have a monster season, hit over 300, hit over 40 home runs, and just really set himself up really nicely financially. For Cy Young, 
I'm going to go the well and just take Clayton Kershaw. I feel like he's just so consistent and so talented that I think he will win another Cy Young. Go over to the American League. I'm going to take Chris Sale from Boston to win the Cy Young. And for the MVP, I will double up with you and take Mike Trout. All right. Which Mike Trout did go 0 for 4 today, by the way. Yeah. I'm still holding They won, strong. Tommy. Yeah, they <laughs> did win. Um, all right. So realistically, look, I think Altuve is the runner-up to Trout. I think the top three are Stanton, Trout, and Altuve, hands down. That's my that's my opinion. Uh, my American League MVP will be Chris Sale, along with Mark, strictly because he's on my fantasy team. <laughs> but I think the Red so Sox will have another outstanding the, season. The MVP is Sale or the Cy Young? The Cy Young. Okay. Sale yeah. and Syndergaard and LAL. Okay. An MVP... Mm-hmm. You know, I really don't want to pick Bryce Harper. Definitely very uh, difficult decision here. As you guys know, I have Mike Trout. Tommy, do you have anything yet? Um, I do, but I'm waiting on you. Oh, I'll, put I me mean, on I, the spot. I could. Um, you know, Maya NL Cy Young, and that's the first thing that popped in my brain is Scherzer. Oh, I have one when you're done. Okay, so my wild card out of this. Okay. So I'll let it, I'll, I'll come back to mine. My NL Cy Young will be Scherzer. So okay. If you want to bounce, but go ahead. Can't go wrong with that pick. Nolan Arenado, the National League MVP, nice. Colorado Rockies. I love Nolan under Arenado. Under the radar player. I don't think he gets a fair shot because he plays a course. I think the writers and True. everyone looks down like, oh, his, yeah. number, his numbers are inflated. But I, I like that pick a lot. I think he puts up numbers every single season that are MVP worthy. Back okay. to Tommy here. And my AL Cy Young. Um, you know, the, there's a lot of like choices as here. As long as it's not Severino, we're good. No, it's not going to be Severino. Well, oh, no, no, no. no <laughs> shout out no. to Brian Marbach. Hope you're tuning in tonight. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Brian. Oh, boy. Um, but, you know what? I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Sale as well. Even though he fades at the end, you know, it's just what, it's just who sure. he is. Yeah. So my, my NL MVP. Oh no, go ahead. We're all in agreement on our American League. Cy Young. We all picked Chris Sale. Just for the record. Mm-hmm. All right, Tommy. Let's finish off here. Okay. Uh, we have our. No, I have my NL MVP and my AL MVP. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go Altuve. Wow. Only, yeah. All right. All I right. mean. Back to back, and that guy is a hungry guy, and uh, he's not satisfied with uh, just one World Series win. I think he's motivated to, you know, be one of the best players right. in the league, which he already is. And my NL MVP, um, I'm going to go with, uh, hmm, my NL MVP. I'm going to say it's. Yasiel Puig. Oh, an LMVP? Wow. All right. I like Puig a lot. On that note, we're going to take a break. <laughs> when we come back, we will transition into previewing the NFL draft. All right, folks, you're listening to Review and Preview here on WCWPSports.org. Good evening and welcome back to Review and Preview. I am your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Tommy the Mac McNamara and Mark Sanger here in the studio. We just talked about baseball for an hour and 22 minutes. 
joy. <laughs> Reminder, folks, you can call in with your questions, thoughts, comments tonight. Our call number 516-299-2030. You can download the app on your phone, WCWP app, and tune in WCWP talk slash sports. All right. Enough of baseball. Mets and Yankees both win on opening day. All great. Moving on to the NFL draft. Now, we're going to do something a little bit interesting tonight. As you folks know, me and Tommy Mack have had the never-ending discussion on who the Giants will take and what position. Well, tonight we're going to do something a little bit different. We are going to predict the first five picks of the NFL draft. Now, for those of you folks that don't know, the NFL draft, 83rd annual draft, it will start on Thursday, April 26th, and last up until Saturday at AT&T Stadium in Texas. And before we get to our picks, Tommy, there's been rumors about Odell Beckham being traded, Dave Gettleman denying it. What's your take on this? Uh, you know what? In my opinion, if the uh, Giants can get uh, two first-rounders for him, yeah. get it. Get it, even though it's um, you know a low first round pick, number twenty three. But if they can get the uh, the following year's pick, then you take it. I mean, Odell is a problem, and you know what? Yeah. The the Giants uh, should not, and no team should pay a receiver quarterback money, and that's what Odell wants. He wants to be the highest non paying. He wants to be the highest non quarterback. Highest paid non-quarterback in the league, and he's not worth it. With with all of his aggravation, he's not worth it. So the Giants should trade Odell Beckham. Wow, do you think they should trade Odell? Absolutely. All right, I don't agree with that, but we do have a caller on the line. Caller, please state your name and where you are from. Hello, guys. This is Brian. I'm out in East Hampton. How you guys doing tonight? Brian, who? <laughs> Brian, who? <laughs> First of all, the guys should not trade Odell Beckham. I guess they should. Under no, no they shouldn't. Should they trade him? Nope. Why not? They should not. You want to pay him? Because, listen, you can always franchise tag him. He is still one of the best receivers. Okay, he's got off the field stuff, but in this day and age in football, a lot of players are going to be having off the field issues. You cannot trade a talent like that. Right. But. I have not been able to listen to you guys. I'm on the way to work. Quickly, before I lose you in in my phone service, I want to get you guys' take on what you guys think about the games on Saturday night, the Final Four. Um, I don't know if you guys have looked in the WCWP bracket, but I think I am in first place again by 10 points, and I have Villanova winning it all. Do you guys think that Kansas has a shot, and do you think that Michigan We'll be able to prevail. What do you guys like on Saturday? Well, let's see. I'm going to be rooting for Villanova and Loyola Chicago to win. In reality, I don't think both of those schools are going to win. I think one of them will. Uh, If I had to take a guess right now, uh, my prediction for the final would probably be Villanova-Michigan, but I really want Loyola Chicago to come out on top, Ryan. Tommy Mac. Yes, sir. Well, I'm hoping uh, Loyola wins. To be honest with you, I, I like the Cinderella story. I like the uh, the sister lady. Um, I'm hoping they win because my bracket got totally blown to pieces 
very early in this tournament. So now I'm just rooting for the underdog. Yeah. Brian. I think uh, Michigan's going to be too much for them to yeah. handle on. Mm-hmm. And I think Villanova has already played their worst game in the tournament um, last week, and they still survived and won by uh, double digits. Agreed. And they shot the ball, I think, from 20-something percent from three-point land, yeah. which I don't see them doing again oh. against Kansas. Look. As of right now, Villanova has a 58% shots to win out of the four teams remaining. I think Brunson is going to be key, Brian. Look, Big East tournament champions coming in. Uh, you know, to be honest with you, I think Kansas is the biggest test. A lot of people are saying Kansas is prime. You know, Devontae Graham, Svive McHiluk, those guys that they're, as a, as a bookie, that they have the roster. Bill Self is head coach. They have the roster to come out. But Villanova is a tough, tough team. And, you know, playing in the Big East and coming into this tournament, really battle-tested, like you said, mentioning how they already played their worst game. You know, Villanova knows how it is to be upset in the tournament. They witnessed that last year against Wisconsin. And they have also witnessed that previous years in the past as we just lost Brian Marbach, who was calling in. Brian Marbach on his way to work. But back to the show, as we were saying, we both predicted, well, I predicted, that Michigan and Villanova would come out on top Saturday. Um, How's your bracket looking, Tom? I don't think anyone's bracket's looking good. No, mine's not. No. I don't even... Uh, well, I picked one of the correct Final Four, which was Villanova. Okay. Yeah. You picked any right? Uh, you know what? I don't think so. I think I, it all got totally blown up. Well... My Final Four was... Actually, no. Villanova, Michigan State, Arizona, and Gonzaga. Right. With Michigan State winning it all. On paper, that would have originally been an excellent Final Four, but well, was on all the upsets this year. Well, you know <laughs> what I mean. I'm just kidding. And we will get to the Final Four in the last 15 minutes of our show, but quick, NBA draft, um, excuse me, NFL draft, April 26th. First five picks. We know the Browns have the number one and the number four overall pick. Um, realistically, I think the Browns at one. Um Look, it's going to be Josh Allen or Sam Darnold at number one for them. I don't really know which one they'll take, but you know, I think there's a good chance that the Browns take Sam Darnold at number one overall. I, we, I we really doing, do because I think he's the best quarterback on the board. Are we doing top five right yes. now? That's all that really matters. We to are us? doing top five. Okay, so Cleveland Giants. Jets, Browns, mm-hmm. and Broncos, right? Yeah. Okay. Let her rip, Tommy. All right. So I have Sam Darnold going number one. I think the Giants will take Barkley at two. Ooh. The Jets, they need a quarterback, and the next best quarterback after Rosen, in my eyes, is, excuse me, Darnold is Rosen. Just will the taking, Jets take just, him? Just taking Rosen? I don't know. Well, that's a tough call. It's, it's possible, no? I, I, You know what? In in my mock draft, he'll be penciled in at number three. I think Josh Rosen goes to the Jets. And then I think the Browns come back with the number four overall pick. And take Bradley Chubb. That'd be a great pick. The defensive end they took from te- Texas A&M last year yeah. and Chubb on the other side, yeah. not not terrible. Um. 
And then after that, you know, it's really tough. I don't know if the Broncos are going quarterback or not. I'm not sure what their vision is. Uh, there's a lot of people thinking the Broncos take Barkley as quarterbacks go through the top four picks. But, I mean, after that, I don't think the Broncos are really looking, you know, for a quarterback. You don't think they take Josh Allen? I think they they, they might take Baker before. Well, I mean, I agree with you, but I'm thinking that looking quarterback, they signed Case Keenum to I think it was just a two-year deal, mm-hmm. and they traded Trevor Simeon to Minnesota. They still have Paxton Lynch, which they're not very right. high on. So Case Keenum, I don't think, Look, is there. I was the one plan. that said if the Browns take Allen at number one, the Giants will take either Barkley or Darnold at number two. The only quarterback the Giants that I think would consider taking is Sam Darnold. And I think the Browns are going to take him at number one. So that's my opinion. Okay. The the Browns will go either Darnold or Allen. Realistically. At number one. You don't think? Yeah. Okay. So who's your pick for the Broncos? Um, it's tough. You know, I don't know if I want to go Baker in top five, but. This isn't Penn. I'm going to put Baker. Mayfield? Yeah, number okay. five. That's my top five. None of that will be right, but that's my top five. I, you know what? It's all a crapshoot anyway. You know. So I'm gonna slightly disagree. Surprise, Tommy. We've okay. only disagreed for how long now? Yeah. About this. <laughs> a while. Let me guess. Allen one, Darnold two. No. Really? No. Wow. No. I'm saying they take Darnold one. The I'm saying Giants I'm, take it too. Okay, so this is gonna. If you say Rosen, up. I might walk out the room. No. No. Uh, Gettleman has said repeatedly that at number two, you need to draft a Hall of Famer. You need to draft a Hall of Famer. There's only one player right now that's regarded as a potential Hall of Famer. You know who that is? I'm pretty sure you do. You like those colors. Nelson. Quentin Nelson. You think they're taking Nelson at number two? I really think they will. If Darnold gets to them, let's just say... Um, this whole he, last month you're talking about them taking a quarterback, though. Well, they should. I really think they should. But I think the the uh, quarterback they want is Darnold. And you think Nelson over Barkley? I think Nelson over Barkley because I think I like they're that. all about the... Uh, offensive line. Offensive line. And they've rebuilt it so like far. a lot, actually. And I'm telling you, you look back at um, Gellman's quotes... Uh, he wants a Hall of Famer at number two. So number three for the Jets, the Jets didn't trade up from six to three to draft Barkley. Mm-hmm. Although he's there, but they did not trade up there to get him. Um, if somebody wants to trade up to three now to draft Barkley, maybe the Jets can get a, a pick or two back, mm-hmm. which I don't think will happen. I think the Jets are going to take Josh Rosen. Okay, I hope they do. Wow. I don't want them to take Josh Allen. Because he's just a big, raw guy. He can throw the ball a mile. Yeah. But, you know, can he throw the ball across the studio and, you know, hit the wall? Right. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. So I'm going to go Rosen. And then four, I think Cleveland gets their running back there. I think they're going right. to get uh, Bar- Barkley at Barkley four. There. Barkley there. Real- realistically, I think that's a good top four. You know, I really want Nelson, but. 
I just – I don't know if Barkley could possibly fall to four. I mean he could with the way Gettleman – his ideal philosophy is well, rebuild that offensive line. He could, but I think he could only in that – Yeah. The philosophy that he has seemed to portray is big guys up front and, you know, he wants a stud. And he, they've already done a decent job of rebuilding the offensive line. So I think the Broncos are going to get lucky – and getting Bradley Chubb at five. All right. I think they're going to. I mean, you know what, Tom? Like you said, none of this is going to come true. We should. Keep, th- this is something definitely we'll gonna keep track of. Yeah. Because the draft starts uh, April 26th. But don't get me wrong. What's that? I hope Nelson goes to the Giants. You do? I at do. At number two? I do, but hey, I think Barkley's well, the best player. Well, I know you're a, gold, you're a Golden Domer fan. Well, I want Barkley or Nelson. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you. If I, it comes down to it, I'll take Darnold if he's still there. I, you know what? Um, the stranger things have happened in these drafts. Mm-hmm. I, I think you're going to be happy with whoever they pick. I, I'd be surprised if they took Barkley. Only because... Me, you know what? Yeah, me too, to be honest. I'd be surprised. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Look, th- this this is this is all for the show. Right. So I'm saying you don't think they should you know, look at quarterbacks? Because as a Giant fan, I'm sure you don't ever want to pick two again. Right? And I'll write something yeah. down if you want, Tommy. Yeah. Um, I don't think as a Giant fan you ever want to pick number two again. And as a Jet fan, I don't ever want to pick three again. Mm-hmm. So we need to look to our future. Uh, and quarterback is the best route to getting better as a football team. It, it really is. It is. Even though the Giants are in a win-now I situation. Think Eli and Webb are okay for this season. The only thing is, do you look back next year and be like, oh, well, maybe I wish I took a quarterback this draft. Maybe right. I wish I did this. I don't think that's the case, which is why I don't think that they'll regret not taking a quarterback, which I think uh, Nelson or Barkley will go to the Giants. I just don't know which one. Realistically, you have Stewart. Which, He's a 30-year-old. I don't think that's a feature-back type yeah. guy. You have Goldman. You know, maybe they are looking towards the running back, but I just... The so, window for a running back is five, six years tops. And you're looking at the future of this team. With that being said, um, I'm going to stick with my five for now, and you'll stick okay. with yours. Um, okay. Last three minutes here of football. Um, best signing for the Giants. Best signing for the Jets. And then we'll move on to basketball. I think the best signing for the Giants was Nate Solder. Uh, hands down. Left tackle. Much needed. Can't stand Flowers there anymore. Worst signing that I think the Giants made, Josh Morrow. The guy from the Cardinals, the outside linebacker. Yes, he fits the system. He's great. But he's suspended for the first four games of the season. I saw your text right after that happened. Horrible. Get rid of them. And Get they knew about this before signing him. Apparently they, they knew they, about it? Yeah. Apparently somebody in the organization knew about Josh Morrow, about taking these drugs or whatever. And That's ridiculous. On performance-enhancing substances. That's exactly what it was. You know, he'll still be able to participate in off-season, preseason, but he's got to sit out the first four games. Oh, my God. All right. Best signing for me for the Jets, Tremaine Johnson. Great signing. Um, you know, it's it's tough. 
Um, Jets have had a couple of them. They're, I think they've had a a nice uh, offseason yeah, so far. They they have, um, which the Lions signed former Jets center Wesley Johnson. By the way, if I had yes. to pick one signing, um, that the I, human matador. Yeah, that I I really don't like. Probably, I just don't know how Teddy Bridgewater is going to pan out. It's a no lose situation for them. If I have to go, I'll choose him. But Tommy, who's that? Bridgewater. Bridgewater. Yeah. Okay. Um, I thought you said Tremaine. My, as my best. Oh, okay. Yeah. I. You know what? As far as the Giants go, I'm going to agree with you with Solder. They needed to do something, and they made um, this guy the highest paid left tackle in the league, which he isn't the best left tackle in the right. league. But the Giants were desperate, so they had to pay him. So they I agree. With, uh, yeah, I agree with the signing. You mm-hmm. know. Um, the Giants have, really don't have the cap room to really to have made a whole lot of moves. So I would think of all of them uh, that he's definitely the best. As far as the Jets are concerned, I really think that there's two of them that I really like. And one was Avery Williamson, yeah, the linebacker from Tennessee. He's a younger version of Demario Davis. Demario Davis. Yeah, he's not. Uh, you know, from what I hear and read. Is that he's not great in coverage, but he is a run stuffing fool. Like yeah. he, he's going to fill holes and run sideline to sideline. But the other one that I love is Isaiah Kroll, twenty-five-year-old running back. Um, that you know, and the contracts that the Jets have signed most of these guys too, besides like Tremaine Johnson, the big ones, is that they can the Jets can get out of all these contracts. Yeah, relatively right. early, so they're not like married to all these guys where you know they're not going to be in salary cap hell. Um, I, I think Isaiah Kroll is going to be – I think he'll be great with the Jets, actually. At least I'm hoping. But I think he, he fits very well in the scheme. And, uh, of course, Tremaine Johnson, you know, yeah. Terrell Pryor. <laughs> I mean, there's not one signing on here that I'm like, why would they do that? Terrell Pryor is a, is a can't – you know, no risk also. Terry Bridgewater? You know, it's one year. Jets have signed a lot of one-year contracts. Mm-hmm. Make or break it. And I like that because now teams that are under uh, – teams, players that are under one-year contracts, well, they're under pressure to perform. Here's the thing. The, the reason why I picked that as a signing I didn't like is because you already have McCown, and if you bring in a quarterback, what the Jets are probably trying to do, you want to set that quarterback up. I don't think having two veterans on the team would make much sense because Bridgewater's uh, entering his fifth year now. He's so. only 25 years old, though, Tom. Yeah, I know, but at the same time – yeah, it can't hurt. But look, with all the great signings that they've made, if you had to pick one, that's my pick and that's my reasoning. Because yeah. I don't think there was necessarily a bad signing. Right. If I had to pick one that I wasn't the biggest fan of, that's probably the one I would have to pick. I understand. But the Jets couldn't couldn't have signed Bridgewater no. to to start this year. No, exactly. You know, and they can't rely on a on a rookie to start this year either. So signing McCown back for a one year deal is I think it was a smart move. Yeah, good as well. All right. With that being said, we're going to step aside for one final break of the night. When we come back, we will talk basketball, March Madness, and close out the show. All right, folks, you're listening to Review and Preview here on WCWPSports.org. All right, folks, welcome back to Review and Preview. It is our final 15-minute segment of the show. I am your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside my co-host, Tommy the Mac McNamara, and my other co-host now, our engineer, Mark Sanger. Guys, 
We've lasted an hour, 45 minutes. Late start time tonight due to the baseball game likely will happen again next week. We will likely go live at either 6 p.m. or 6.30 p.m. We will keep you updated via social media on that. And so far tonight, our phone lines are now closed, by the way, but so far we have discussed, we spent over an hour on baseball, and we talked a lot about NFL and our top five draft picks. We differ a little bit, but... Um, what else is new? I'm very excited for the NFL draft, and I'll make my official predictions for you via text the night of the draft, <laughs> <laughs> as always. Um, all right, NBA, we're not going to spend much time, but the four-seed Philadelphia 76ers clinch a playoff berth for the first time in six years. You know, a team that's won seven, eight games in a row now. Incredible for them. They clinched the berth back on Sunday night. Only concern, Markel Fultz comes back. Hands the ball off to Embiid last night, and he runs into him, him against yeah. the Knicks. But they beat the Knicks by 17 last night. Knicks eliminated from postseason play. They'll play the Pistons on Saturday, 5 p.m. at MSG. The oh, Nets. Can I just ask you a quick question about the Knicks? Uh, sure. Well, Trey Burke, and I've been a fan of him since he got signed to the Knicks. What do you think his future role is with the Knicks? Do you think he's a starter, come up like a six-man type guy? Because he's been playing really well. I think a sixth man might suit him well because the emergence of Moutier has been really good for them. Uh, a lot of people refer to Trey Burke as a mini version of Allen Iverson. Well, his hairdo will tell you that. But, yeah. Um, Looks-wise. But, but, but he shoots, and he, I'm telling you, I've really— He scores. Let, he does. He can put it up and instant offense off the bench. So, yeah, maybe a six-man I role. think at worst sixth man. Next year. I mean, I think he's really coming up from the G League. He needed that stint in the G League over up in Westchester to reestablish himself and get himself or back. Or reality check. The he might become a starter. My issue is Michael Beasley's still your leading scorer. Have at it. Uh, My all-star prediction. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Nets had a little bit better luck last night, also eliminated from postseason, but they beat the Magic 111-104. Seven players with at least 13 points for Brooklyn. Playing as a unit... A team with role players all season, but they're all contributing. Karis LeVert, Damari Carroll, Joe Harris, Jared Allen. Proud of those guys and what they've been doing despite having a down year. Uh, they'll play the Miami Heat Saturday night, 8 p.m. Brooklyn, it's going to take another couple of years for them to be uh, even a thought again. But Well, they just need to get their uh, picks draft back. picks back. Yeah, yeah. That's it. After, after this draft, they get them back, right? Yep. Okay. Now it's the time we've all been waiting for. Knicks and Nets are done. It's now time for March Madness. And the feel-good story of the NCAA tournament is Loyola Chicago. Uh, incredible. The final four will be this Saturday on TBS in San Antonio. Loyola Chicago beats Nevada, your pick, to make the Elite Eight. They did not make it. Nevada had a decent run, though. They did? They did. Shout-out to Eric Musselman. Kudos to him. But Loyola Chicago beat Nevada. Last second, and then they beat Kansas State 78 62, and they're back to their first Final Four in 55 years since the national championship team in 1963. <laughs> Lowest Final Four seed since 2011. And you know, give senior Ben Richardson all the credit in the world. The performance he had against K, K- State 6 7 behind the three point line, kid had 23 points. Now, granted, Kansas State was without their junior frontcourt star, Dean Wade, which definitely hurt them in this game because Loyola Chicago, they were getting a lot of open looks. They have a lot of shooters on their team. But for Kansas State, not having Dean Wade proved to be costly for them 
in this Elite Eight matchup. But credit to the Ramblers. You know so. what? I'm, I'm telling you, I, I'm really impressed with them and their the way they play. And they, they're not just beating teams; they're they're kicking butt and taking yeah. names. I mean, they're you know, there's a couple you know, you know, game or two where they got by. But I'm telling you, they're very impressive, and I don't think any team, including Michigan, wants to face them because they know that Loyola is just going to play with no pressure. Where Michigan will, because they're number three seed. Right. And if Loyola happens to get through, they're going to face a number one seed in either Kansas or Villanova. <laughs> yeah. Loyola's got nothing well, to lose the whole time. Porter Moser's been doing a phenomenal job. You know, he's just 49 years old, and, you know, he started out as an assistant over at Creighton, but he's been the head coach here since 2011. And to get his team to the tournament, 4 0 career record in the NCAA tournament, by the way, just a fun fact. He's never lost an NCAA tournament game. <laughs> uh, also, Missouri Valley Coach of the Year. And Loyola Chicago, guys, it's not like they're from a power conference. They're a, they come from a mid-level conference, Jesuit school. By the way, it's the first time in a while there's two Catholic schools in the Final Four, Loyola Chicago and Villanova. So a little fun fact for you there. Speaking of Villanova, they beat Texas Tech 71-59, a game where free throws were really key for them. Um, Nova made 15 more free throws than Texas Tech, who uh, beat Purdue, who was without Isaac Haas. But Vill- Villanova, I think they've been the odds-on favorite for a lot of people since the tournament started. A lot of people were talking about Virginia as the number one overall seed, that it should have been Villanova. We saw what happened to Virginia, mm-hmm. losing to UMBC, University of Maryland, Baltimore County. I guarantee you. Ninety percent of our listeners have never heard of that university. Maybe ninety-nine percent. Yeah, you know, looking at the Villanova team though, in their win um, over Texas Tech, the the scoring was very spread out. Yeah, I mean, there was no dominant scores. Like, so for Kansas, who are you going to take out? I mean, Jalen Brunson is obviously a, a solid player, but um, Pachel twelve, Spellman eleven, Brunson yeah. fifteen, Bridges twelve. DiVincenzo, 12. I mean... DiVincenzo is pretty good off the bench. It's spread out. A couple quality dunks. Yeah, yeah he's been a great player for Villanova as it's well. It's going to be a tough team to Villanova to handle. Villanova will be taking on Kansas, who outlasted Duke in the Elite Eight overtime, 85-81, 30 final fours between Kansas and Duke. And I remember uh, Svi Mikhailuk hit the three-pointer to tie the game. Remember, Kansas was down three in the mm-hmm. last 30 seconds of the game. Mikhailuk hits the three. And then Grayson Allen, the senior, has the ball in his hands, the face of Duke basketball, the face of college basketball this year. The shot almost went in. It rolled off the rim at the very last second. From that point on, I knew Kansas was going to win the game. If Brian Marbach's listening right now, it was like a putt that went around the hole because that's <laughs> what it was. It just, yeah. it was a nice shot off, off the uh, backboard. And, I mean, it was a good try, but a eh, little too late. And I've got to say... Duke, phenomenal game, but Kansas, redshirt sophomore transfer, Malik Newman, 32 points in this game, had all 13 of the Kansas points in overtime. Incredible performance by the sophomore, uh, bringing Kansas to the Final Four for a date against Villanova, and Kansas is a team to be reckoned with right now. I think that this game between Villanova and Kansas might as well be like the championship, the championship game, if you ask me. 
You know what? I, Tommy, I'm going to disagree slightly, only because I think Michigan is also a team to be reckoned with. I think the winner of the Loyola-Michigan game, I think, can give uh, Kansas or Villanova a oh, good fight. I think they will. Uh, I'm not going to say... I, I mean, I, I agree with you and disagree with you. Mm-hmm. I, I really think that the winner will probably come out of the Kansas-Villanova, but I don't... I'm not going to um, sleep on either Loyola or Michigan. Look, I'm, I'm not saying that Michigan doesn't have a shot. Remember, Michigan and Loyola, co- Loyola, Chicago combined, they're on a 27-game winning streak right now. Right. I mean, I mean it's I bound to end sooner or later. But what I meant by that is not neither of those teams were my pick. Is that those two teams are probably the two big name blockbuster teams remaining? Because if you remember correctly, we have four conference tournament champions left. Michigan won the Big Ten, but Michigan was the number five seed mm-hmm. in the Big Ten tournament, as were Villanova and Kansas were top of the line. Loyola Chicago was near the top. So out of those four teams remaining, Michigan was maybe ranked lowest in their conference tournament, but at this time, throw the seeds out the door. These are the four teams we have left. Excellent weekend on deck. Um, and Michigan, to recap the final game of the Elite Eight, beat Florida State 58-54, securing a school record 32 wins. And this wasn't easy. Michigan, very battle-tested in this tournament, uh, despite taking care of A&M. They played a couple close games. That is a defensive battle right there. And That could be a halftime score, let alone final. The Seminoles had seven blocks in that game. Florida State, very lengthy team, and they held Michigan, who's averaging about 74, 75 points in a game, to just right. 58 points. Jeez. So credit to Florida State, but Michigan comes out victorious. Mo Wagner is just a beast. I mean, there's really no one guy that sticks out at you. Abdur Rahim, Duncan Robinson, the senior. Charles Matthews. Yeah. Matthews had a great game, but this is going to be a fun Final Four to watch. Uh, The first game will be the three-seed Michigan taking on the number 11 seed Loyola Chicago at 6.09 p.m. Michigan, a a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Who do you got in this game? I'm taking Loyola. I'm rooting for him. Not for any other reason. Just that I'm rooting for him. Who do you like? Well, Sister Mary. With that being said, uh oh. With that being said, um, I'm also going to go Loyola. Um, okay. I do think Michigan is the clear, clear, crystal clear favorite in this game. But Absolutely. I want I want Loyola Chicago to win. Me too. I'm not sure if they will, but I want them to win in this game. Yeah, I'm rooting for them. They're a good story. Look, and I like Michigan. They're a great school. I like the players that they have. But when you have a team like this that's made it this far, right. you just get the urge to root for them. You know? Oh, great group of kids, too. I would think most of the country that's interested in college basketball, now that their bracket's been blown up like most of ours sure. has, yeah. they're rooting for Loyola. I mean, why wouldn't they? I mean, why are you going to root for Kansas or Villanova? Right. Because they've Two been there already. They, they've been, done yeah, it already. Exactly. So. But who do you like in the other game, Tommy? Um, actually, I'll put you first for this one. I have my pick, but I want to see uh, who we got. I'm going to go Villanova only because of the coach, Jay Wright. All right. I, I think uh, this guy is going to you know, go down in history as one of the best college coaches and then maybe move on to the NBA. I think, I don't know. I think Villanova is going to win. Just remember who the coach of the year was, AP coach of the year was actually named today tony bennett from virginia 
Oh yeah, <laughs> wow. lost to a 16 that seed must, in the tournament. I'm saying that and must have been voted coach of the year. It must have been voted on before the tournament Prior. started. Eh, Had maybe. to have. I mean, you can't give him coach of the year if you lose to a 16 seed. Right. It could be like baseball where they do the MVP, you know, before the um, playoffs start. I, I would think they have to do that. <laughs> I'm gonna differ with you on this game to make it interesting. Kansas, Devontae Graham, Big 12 Player of the Year, uh, Bill Self. I truly think that Kansas is going to win because with the way they played against Duke in overtime and they're battle-tested as where Villanova is as well and they're a popular pick. If I had to root for one team in this game, I would root for Villanova and I will be rooting for Villanova. However, I think um, Kansas is going to come out on top. If Duke uh, would have won... You know, which, if Grayson Allen hit that shot, it's just a you know hypothetical. Obviously, would you have liked uh, Duke over Villanova as well, or no? Uh, I probably would have took Vill- Villanova. Okay. I just think Kansas is too strong right now. They're playing really well. I mean, look, they've won thirty-one games this year. And they're on a seven-game winning streak. You know, if you've made it this far in the tournament, your winning streak is pretty long, if you ask me. Right. Um, Look, I mean, thirteen and five in the Big Twelve, probably the toughest conference in college basketball. All due respect to the ACC, but look, you, you got teams like West Virginia, Texas Tech, K State, TCU, Baylor, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas, Iowa State. Yeah, Iowa, like that's a tough conference. I understand. And they came out on top as were Villanova in the Big East. So being you know, battle tested with, with with the exception of Xavier. I mean, you look at the other teams. You got Creighton, you got Seton Hall, Providence, Marquette, Butler, St. John's, Georgetown. Um, and it's just confirmed that Joel Embiid needs surgery. On oh, his way. face? Yeah. So Embiid will be out. Does it say how long is he be out for? Uh, no timetable return. Wow, that's huge. Yeah. So. That is huge. We that's both got Loyola Chicago. You got Villanova. I got Kansas. Though I do want Villanova to win in this game. It would be a really feel-good story. So, so I'll be happy if Villanova wins, but I, I think Kansas. Are we doing the finals? Are we the final game or no? Sure. Uh, quickly, final game. Do it. Oh, man. Do it. I'm going out on a limb. The Ramblers of Loyola, Chicago, your national champions. I like it. I like it. I'm going Villanova. Yeah. I knew that I'm gonna was take. Coming. I'm gonna take the chalk. Even though the chalk, I'm taking I'm a, the feel good story. <laughs> well, I ha- the, the way I you're have rooting to, as for, the host of the show. We'll say the way you're rooting for uh, Villanova to beat Kansas. I'll be rooting for Loyola. Loyola to win. Look, so to be honest, I have Loyola Chicago advancing. Why not have them win the whole thing? You know what I'm saying? At this point, you you move them up this far. Why not just have them win the whole thing? All right, folks. On that note, that will do it for our show here tonight. It's been a great show. We talked over MLB opening day, NBA stuff, NFL draft preview, March Madness. At this time next week, we'll have a national champion. On behalf of Tommy the Mac McNamara and Mark Sanger, join us next week for review and preview. We will probably start around 6 to 6.30 p.m. again. And don't forget, listen to our podcast. It's up. You're listening to Review and Preview here on WCWPsports.org. 
Like what you hear? Here's how you can let us know. Give us a call at 516-299-2626 or email us at info at wcwp.org. Like us at facebook.com slash mywcwp and leave a comment or tweet us at mywcwp. We welcome all kinds of feedback. To directly support the podcast you just enjoyed, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to give back, visit WCWP.org and click the support tab. Thanks for listening from your friends at WCWP.